I'd like to uh, thank you for that. That was beautiful. My brethren and I uh, greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, up front with, hear me th with me here this evening, of course, Brother Joe Williams will be bringing the uh, spoken message. Uh, bringing the invocation will be Brother um, uh, Brian O'Neill. And, of course, uh, the benediction will be given by Harry Williams, Joe's father. It's been a... Uh, a pleasure to um, be able to be here. I wasn't supposed to be able to be here. I was supposed to be in training for my job. So I didn't expect uh, to have this opportunity and I praise the Lord for it. Um, Tony asked if I'd be available to preside and I gladly said I would like to do that. And so uh, for an opening scripture with our theme of brotherly kindness and charity, I'd like to share out of 4th Nephi the people of God after Christ was on the, in the Americas. Just the, um, the beauty of the description here in 4th Nephi, I think gives us a good example of brotherly kindness and charity. I'll start in verse 3 and read selected verses on down. It says, And it came to pass in the 30th and 6th year, the people were all converted unto the Lord, upon all the face of the land, both Nephites and Lamanites. And there were no contentions and disputations among them. And every man did deal justly one with another. That there, brothers and sisters, would be incredible. And they had all things common among them. Therefore, they were not rich and poor, bond and free, but every were all made free and partakers of the heavenly gift. And then on down it says, in 9, it says, And the Lord did prosper them exceedingly in the land, yea, insomuch that they did build up cities again, where there had been cities burned. Yea, and even that great city Zarahemla did they cause to be built again. And there were many cities which had been sunk. And... Um, Continuing down to 11, and now behold, it came to pass that the people of Nephi did wax strong and did multiply exceedingly fast and became an exceeding fair and delightsome people. And they were married and given in marriage and were blessed according to the multitude of the promises which the Lord had made unto them. And they did not walk any more after the performances and the ordinances of the law of Moses but they did walk after the commandments which they had received from the Lord their God, continuing in fasting and prayer, and in meeting together oft, both to pray and to bear the word of the Lord. And it came to pass that there was no contention among all the people in all the land, but there were mighty miracles wrought among the disciples of Jesus, and it came to pass that in the seventy and first year passed away, and also the seventy and second year, and in fine until the seventy and ninth year had all passed away, yea, even a hundred years had passed away. And the disciples of Jesus whom he had chosen had all gone to the paradise of God, save it were those three who should tarry. And there were other disciples ordained in the stead, and also many of the, that generation which had passed away. And it came to pass that there was no contention in the land because of the love of God, which did dwell in the hearts of the people. We will uh, join in a singing of hymn number 226, 
look for the beautiful, and then a brother Brian Williams will offer the or Brian O'Neill will offer the prayer of invocation. Hymn number two twenty six. Let us pray. Our Father, heart in heaven, we come before thee, O Lord, with uh, hearts full of thanksgiving and praise for the goodness that you have blessed us with and allowing us to live in this land of liberty and freedom. Father, we are grateful for the gospel that has been restored in the latter days, a gospel that has uh, been taught to us and that we can embrace. I pray, Father, tonight that uh, your spirit, which you have promised to the faithful, might be uh, given to us, 
I pray especially for our brother Joe as he would share those words of eternal life. I ask that uh, your spirit would bless him, that his mind would be clear and his, his message would be uh, a message that uh, uplifts and encourages and edifies us and brings glory to your name. So Father, we give this hour, this service uh, over to you, that your spirit would uh, be here in our midst, that you would encourage us and strengthen us. Uh, be with all those who have uh, duty and responsibility this evening, that your uh, blessings would be upon them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. From the 122nd section of the Doctrine and Covenants, the very last verse of that section says, Yea, verily, thus saith the Lord unto the elders of the church, continue in steadfastness and faith. Let nothing separate you from each other and the work whereunto you have been called. And I will be with you by my spirit and presence of power unto the end. Amen. And let me also read from section 7 of the Doctrine and Covenants. And the Lord said unto me, John, my beloved, what desirest thou? For if ye shall ask what ye will, it shall be granted unto you. And I said unto him, Lord, give unto me power over death, that I may live and bring souls unto thee. And the Lord said unto me, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Because thou hast desired this, thou shalt tarry until I come in my glory, and shall prophesy before nations, kindreds, tongues, and people. And for this cause the Lord said unto Peter, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? For he desires of me that he might bring souls unto me, but thou desirest that thou might speedily come unto me in my kingdom. I say unto thee, Peter, this was a good desire, but my beloved has desire that he might do more or a greater work yet among men than he has before done. Yea, he has undertaken a greater work. Therefore I make him as a flaming fire and as a ministering angel. He shall minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation who dwell on the earth. And I will make thee to minister for him and for thy brother James and unto you three I give this power 
and the keys of this ministry until I come. Verily I say unto you, ye both have according to your desires, for ye both joy in that which ye have desired. May the Lord add his blessing to this, the reading of his word.
Thank you, ladies, for your offering this evening, for the invitation of the Holy Spirit to come and to be here in this place. That's what we all desire, that we might uh, together worship in spirit and in truth, and the Lord's Spirit would bless us. And I pray that he will bless you this evening. Jesus, as you uh, well know, went through a trial, so to speak, where he was taken before the magistrates of those days and the rulers among his people, and he was accused. And lies were made up of him, and, and they sent him and convicted him and sent him to the cross. And you can imagine in your mind's eye what that scene must have looked like where after he had been beaten, scourged, made fun of and mocked, blindfold placed upon his eyes, and hit aside his head by those that told him to prophesy who it is that hits you if you indeed are a prophet. And they fashioned and plaited a crown which is braided a crown of thorns and placed it on his head. And they found a purple royal robe and they put this robe on him in mockery since they said he was the king of the Jews. And then ultimately he, turned him, he was turned over to uh, the Jews that then took him to the place of crucifixion. And he traveled along that dusty road, I suppose, up to that hill. And it was there that he was laid upon that cross and the spikes were driven into his hands and his feet. And on the third hour, he was raised up there and he was crucified. And his companions were thieves. And he was there until the ninth hour, so I suppose six hours he was there on that cross. And I marvel during that time because it's recorded in the scriptures on many occasions the conversation that Jesus had from the cross to those that were at his feet. And I can't imagine myself in that situation even being able to compose a thought or speak a word after having suffered what he had suffered. And yet Jesus in his compassion spoke the words, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. I marveled as we read, or as we sang the hymn this evening during our hymn sing, My feet were also weary upon the Calvary's road. The cross became so heavy, I fell beneath the load. Very descriptive of exactly what I wanted to share with you tonight. And, 
And I do this not to remind you of the agony of what Jesus had to go through in that occasion, but I do it to remind you of the compassion and the charity and the brotherly kindness that Jesus exhibited as he hung there upon the cross and spoke to those people. Forgive them. Forgive them, Father. They don't know. Can you imagine him saying the same thing about you and I? Forgive them, Father. They don't know. You know, we're called to look to Jesus as our example. Jesus himself spoke to his disciples, the Nephites, and asked them what manner of men ought ye to be. And he said, even as I am. And so I looked at the cross to understand what kind of man I'm to be. And you should too. What kind of man should you be? What kind of woman should you be? As the youth, what should I grow up to be? The answer is simple. Even as Jesus. That's what we've been called to. Saints. Saints of the living God. That's what he requires of us. Too much has been given and much is required. And that's our responsibility. I read to you out of uh, section 122 of the Doctrine and Covenants and then as I sat here on the rostrum and before I stood, I, I remembered the seventh section of the Doctrine and Covenants and I read that as well. This seventh section is the, uh, the account where John is having that conversation with his Lord. And I don't know if he was like the three Nephites who were somewhat ashamed at their request because they weren't sure how it would be received, where they would like to stay and tarry on this earth to bring ministry to the children of men. And John knew that that's what he wanted to do as well. And Jesus granted this. And we have this account because of a very close relationship that Joseph Smith Jr. had with John the Beloved. We don't know a lot about that relationship, but I believe that John ministered to Joseph Smith Jr. And this revelation, section 7, was taken from a parchment that John wrote. That's what it says, at least, in the 1835 edition of the Doctrine and Covenants. And it was translated from that parchment, and I believe that John shared that with Joseph. What a close relationship. And what a needful relationship that Joseph had with John who was an apostle and held the keys and a responsibility that he would share with Joseph Smith, Jr. Oh, saints, we are engaged in a work that we don't even realize 
the significance and the importance that it has to this world and especially in these last days. It's hot. That's just the way we like it. I think I heard that from Francis Harper up in Iowa. You wouldn't think it'd get that hot up north, but it gets hot up there too. He's my uncle. Brenda's uncle actually, but I claim him for sure. You know, the theme for today is brotherly kindness and charity. And I uh, hadn't talked with my father too much about this. He helped make out that preaching schedule. He said, I want you to preach on the 4th of July, and this is our, our theme. And I think, honestly, he was being a little bit sneaky in doing that um, because he knows that I'm a man with a quick temper and I'm not sure that I'm the best to preach on the subject of having charity and brotherly kindness. But I suppose, as you all probably know, the teacher learns more than the student. Isn't that true? If you ever taught a class, that's been my experience anyway. And so I'm going to endeavor to share with you what I do know and take as my example some stalwarts that we know of in the scriptures, and especially, most especially, of our Lord Jesus Christ and the example that he has set for us. In the uh, second book of Peter, which is our theme scripture, where it comes from for today, Peter writes an epistle to the church and he uh, titles it and, and greets the people and he says, Oh, you that are of like precious faith. So he's speaking to the church. He's speaking to us. And this is found in the second epistle of Peter in the first chapter. And I'd like to read that. Beginning at uh, verse 4. It says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. There's our theme scripture. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to read that scripture again, these last couple. 
because the importance is, and I want to emphasize this, that we need to add to our faith these attributes of a saint. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, add to your faith knowledge, and to knowledge, add to your faith temperance, and to temperance, add to your faith patience, and to patience, add to your faith godliness, and to godliness, add to your faith brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, add to your faith charity. I don't rest the scriptures by reading that way. That's the intent. If you read through this scripture and study it out, I think you'll come to the same understanding as I did. And the importance is that if we have all of these things in our lives that are part of our faith and their attributes in that uh, toolbox, if you will, of faith, the tools in which we exercise our faith, And if we have all of these things, the promise is that we will not be unfruitful in the knowledge of God, but quite the opposite. The Lord will open the eyes of our understanding that we may gain knowledge and understanding of who he is and what his law is and what is required of us. Several years ago, I was uh, at church at Buckner, and I was standing in the foyer um, just outside of the doors. If you're familiar with our church, we have a pair of doors that lead into the sanctuary. And I worship with my grandparents. Some of you knew Bob and Mary Schildhauer, and they were, this was before they passed, and they were there. And my grandmother came out of the sanctuary. They'd been sitting in there meditating before the service started and she came out and she was almost in an excited panic and and I leaned down my grandma was a short lady so I leaned down to ask well what's going on and she said there's a man on the rostrum and I looked I said there is she said it's John I said John she said John the Beloved is here in our sanctuary. And she was as serious with an intent that I listen and understand that the scales had fallen from her eyes and she was able to see him. And she knew that he was there. And if you remember what I read out of section 7 of the Doctrine and Covenants, the responsibility and the gift that was given to him to be able to minister unto the children of men. And he was there that day to minister to her. What a blessing it was just to be aware that an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ was present in our service. My faith was not sufficient. I didn't see him. But I believe my grandmother's testimony. And I believe that testimony to be true. I've never seen the three Nephites. But my grandfather bore witness of that. 
He was a convert to the church. And he was walking on the square in Independence one day, and some men came up to him and said uh, something to the effect, and I don't remember the exact words, but understand you're considering this reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they wanted to tell him about it. And his experience was, and the testimony that he shared, were that these men were the three Nephites. He knew it. And it converted him to the truth. To think that they were so interested in his life that they would appear unto him and bear that special witness of Jesus Christ and of the truth of the church of Jesus Christ here in these last days. And my grandfather was baptized because of that experience, among others. That Book of Mormon is so very precious to me. Amen. It, it, um, it, it seems that, that I'm one that uh, I, I get the opportunity, either it's fireworks or whatever the case may be, as I get to occupy this pulpit. And I've learned to smile at those things. It doesn't upset me at all. In the first uh, book of Nephi, in the sixth chapter, Nephi uh, records for his people the testimony of Isaiah. And I find this a marvelous experience. You know, when I was a young man in my 20s, I'd graduated from college and I was working and I had a great friend that was a good Christian man. He was a Baptist by faith. And we talked about the Book of Mormon while we were at work and we would chatter back and forth about it. And he said, you know, I just can't believe it um, because old Joe Smith, he's a plagiarist. And I said, what do you mean? I thought he meant polygamist and we were going to talk about that. But he said, plagiarist. And I said, what do you mean? He said, he plagiarized the book of Isaiah. He quoted it verbatim. And I knew that, that he, he had recorded the book of Isaiah there in, in the Book of Mormon and I went and, and I read and I, and I said, well, that, that's not plagiarism at all. He verily says that here's what the prophet Isaiah said. He's just simply quoting Isaiah. And you know why he was quoting Isaiah to him? Because of the importance of his testimony to us in these last days. And that's why we have that. It's a second witness. There's no plagiarism there. I think the Lord helped me with that answer. I don't know that I ever converted. Well, I know I never converted, my friend. Perhaps one of these days, and this was back in Texas. I haven't talked to him for years. Perhaps one of these days he'll uh, remember the conversations that we've had. But Nephi understood the importance of the, uh, the book of Isaiah, and he, uh, he wrote it verbatim. And in the first book of Nephi, chapter 6, he quotes the 48th section, 48th chapter of the book of Isaiah and then goes on and quotes the 49th chapter of the book of Isaiah verbatim 
But there's one scripture in between that is not found in the book of Isaiah. And I had to scratch my head about that. And it's verse 30, 1 Nephi chapter 6, verse 30. And as you read it closely, what you come to recognize is that for emphasis' sake, Nephi tells his people, once again, I'm going to share with you some things that are important, and then I'm going to quote the book of Isaiah. And I believe that it's been inserted here into this particular text because it's important for you and I in these last days. I believe that this, while Nephi was speaking to his people, I believe that this scripture speaks to us today and has spoken to us today. It says, and again, Nephi says, and again, hearken, O ye house of Israel. Saints, you are the house of Israel. All ye that are broken off and are driven out because of the wickedness of the pastors of my people. Now, I got to be careful because I'm pastor at Buckner and I'm very concerned about my actions and I'm very careful with the things that I do and the things that I say and the instruction that I give because I don't want to be one of these pastors that's being spoken of here, the wickedness of the pastor that led the people astray. He says, yea, and all ye that are broken off and that are scattered abroad who are of my people, O house of Israel. Saints, look around you. We're in a scattered state. We have a bunch of little restoration branches scattered all over this great nation, yea, over all this world. But the message to us is hearken, O Israel. And if you continue to read on as he begins again to quote from the 49th chapter of Isaiah, listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people from afar. The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me. And made me a polished shaft in his quiver. And he hath hid me. And he said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Take courage, saints, while you may look and it may appear like we are scattered and downtrodden. I take encouragement, like Chuck mentioned last night, as he said he counted nine different restoration branches are here at this reunion and worshiping together. Saints, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to bring his people together. And he's going to do so in a way that is marvelous to us. In a way likely that we won't expect, but in a way that is in harmony with what is written in his word. In exactness will he bring this about and gather the household of Israel and the kingdom will be established. Hallelujah. To quote my brother, 
Hallelujah. You know, uh, excuse me, Brother Elbert A. Smith is one of my favorite uh, authors. If you've known me any length of time, you know that that's true. And he shared, uh, he wrote this little book called Square Box, and it was written in, uh, and published in 1919. And this, uh, this is an original copy, and the pages are pretty frail. And I uh, want to just read a testimony from this. And he, uh, Brother Elbert, was preaching at the Stone Church. And it was in March of that year. Actually, I think, let me look. I think it was the year 1921. No, 1919, that's correct. The sermon was in 1919, and the book was published in 1921. And he quotes the uh, testimony of a sister. He doesn't name her name, but she's the daughter of the late President Joseph Smith. And she'd been going through uh, some distress, some mental distress, it says, because of the burdens that she had, which were known really only to herself, and feeling perhaps that she might fall in some way on account of all of these burdens that she had to bear. And she struggled all night, one night, sleepless night, and she prayed the entire night long. And towards morning, she finally fell asleep, and she had, had this dream, and I want to share this with you. It says that she thought that she was there in the vicinity of the Stone Church, there were many people around the church, some going in and some going away, and a great many were simply wandering around in an undecided way. On many countenances, there was a look of doubt and distress. She then saw that she had in her hand a little traveling bag, indicating perhaps that she too was going away. But she looked towards the church and saw those who were going up the steps to the church, and she handed the traveling bag to someone else, saying, Here, take this. These are my people. My place is with them. And when she started towards the church, the heavens opened, and there was a flood of light, and she saw the Father and the Son. And Brother Elbert says, This is the thought. He says, we do not know what may be before the church. We don't know. You don't know. As you sit here under the sound of my voice, perhaps feeling secure and firmly grounded in your faith and convictions, you little realize what trials, what false philosophy, what doubts and strifes may be brought to overthrow you. We ought to remember the admonition let nothing separate you from each other and the work whereunto you are called. And with this good sister say, these are my people, my place is with them. That, of course, I read as an opening scripture, section 122 
of the Doctrine and Covenants where we were counseled that we were, let me just read that again, it's very short. The last verse, verily thus saith the Lord unto the elders of the church, continue in steadfast faith and let nothing separate you from each other and the work whereunto you have been called and I'll be with you by my spirit and presence of power unto the end. You know, saints, we talk about faith and we talk about the attributes of a saint and the importance of these attributes and how they make up our faith. But I'm going to challenge you to understand that in addition to these attributes that you and I have, we must have the presence of the Holy Spirit as our guide. For he that diligently seeketh shall find, and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded to them by the power of the Holy Ghost, as well in this time as in times of old. And if we go back to our text in the book of Second Peter, that first chapter, the last two verses of, uh, of that chapter say this, it says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is given of any private will of man. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It's this power of the Holy Ghost that moves in our lives with those that have a faith sufficient to receive and have put on these attributes of the saints that they might have a further knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ and of his testimony and of the testimony of him. Saints, do you understand the importance of the Spirit? Have you sensed in a service the quietness that comes when the Spirit is there and it rests upon the people. And a portion of that Spirit dwelleth in me, which giveth me knowledge and also power according to my faith and desires which are in God. It's what Alma says about faith and the power of the Spirit. Jesus was faced with uh, disciples that were but men and they had flaws. And he took many an opportunity to teach these disciples of his that they might understand more fully what it is to be men of Christ. And there was an occasion when they all together were thinking themselves better than the other. Now, I'm glad that doesn't happen nowadays, and we learned our lesson from the example of the apostles. And I'm being facetious, you know. 
But in book, uh, book of Luke in chapter 9, and there arose a reasoning among them, who of them should be the greatest? These are the disciples of Christ, and they wondered amongst themselves, well, who's the greatest, you know? I don't know if they had a tie on, but you could see them tightening their tie like they were something. And Jesus perceived their thoughts. Maybe it wasn't spoken out loud. Maybe this was just thoughts within their mind and their hearts. So Jesus perceived the thoughts of their hearts. And what did he do? The way Jesus taught is just amazing to me. He took up a little child and he put it in their midst. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. And whosoever receiveth me receiveth him who sent me. For he who is the least among you, all the same shall be great. There was another occasion after Jesus had served the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, and all his disciples were around and Jesus set aside his garments and he wrapped himself in a cloth and he kneeled down and he washed their feet. You want to talk about putting a man in his place and Peter said it, you're not going to wash my feet, Lord, because that was a servant's job. And Jesus told Peter, if I don't wash your feet, then you don't have any place with me. Peter, I suppose, thought about it for a moment. And they said, well, not my feet alone, but wash my hands and my head too. And Jesus must have shook his head. Probably didn't, but he said, He who has his feet washed by me needs not have his hands and his head washed, for he's clean. Jesus, in the most astounding display of humility, became a servant to his disciples. And if you think about the life of Jesus Christ, wasn't his life about servanthood? He came to do the will of his father because his father sent him. He walked this dusty road and went to the cross that he might serve us. And through his actions and the sacrifice he made, we might become the sons and daughters of God. Truly, saints, we should be like Jesus Christ and model our lives after him. And it's not always easy to be like Jesus. It's not always easy to stand that way in the world and to stand up for what's true and right, especially nowadays, isn't it? It's hard when you're criticized for your beliefs, and you're shut down because you believe something that's scriptural, that's not commonplace amongst those in the world, makes it difficult. Well, Brother Joseph Luff had a saying. He said, there's a, 
Some of us like to be the anvil. A lot of us like to be the hammer. There's not many of us that want to be the iron between the anvil and the hammer. But that's what we're called to be, saints. So that the Lord can fashion us as a blacksmith fashions iron into the vision that he has for us. And to take a beating is not easy. It's against our nature, isn't it? But our nature is carnal, sensual, and devilish. So why don't we just set that aside and let's become a saint. Put on those attributes that we studied today. Become a saint that exercises brotherly kindness and charity and patience and humility. All those things. The promise is that if you'll do it, you'll have a closer walk with him. For he will reveal himself unto you by the power of his spirit. I pray that I did uh, some justice to the theme uh, for tonight. In my inadequacies, I pray that the Lord in his spirit, and I trust in this, that it's, it's not the words that uh, the preacher speaks or the poignancy in which he shares those words as long as they are carried by the power of the spirit into your heart that you might understand. Jesus reached out in sympathetic understanding to the children of men, and he taught them where they were at, whether it be by parable or a deep conversation of those things of eternity, he taught the children of men in this way. Let me close by reading out of the book of Mark, the third chapter, Verse, beginning at verse 27. And the multitude sat about him. And they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother? Or who are my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whoso shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. May God bless you in your walk with him. And may we together join arm in arm in building up the kingdom of God here upon this earth is my prayer. Thank you for that, uh, Brother Joe, that challenge for each of us. Um, we will close our service with hymn number 366, Loving Each Other, and the prayer of invocation given by Brother Harry Williams.
O God, the eternal Heavenly Father, it is in the blessed and holy name of thy Son, Jesus the Christ, that we close this meeting this day in the year of our Lord, 2022, July 4th, upon the land of Joseph, a land that's been made free by the uh, power and the gift of God, that we might have a place to live and strive for and desire and have a hope in the kingdom, which has been uh, laid out before you this day, the process of becoming holy, the process of becoming a people that are ready and willing to uh, live for the Redeemer and see him and know him and know what he is. And may the power of the Holy Ghost touching each and every one of your hearts and minds this night. I would pray that it would uh, well deep within you and you forget not. We have a powerful and magnificent Lord and Savior. And this day you've heard his word to you. And may the joy and happiness that comes with that be in well embedded in your hearts also. That you might be those ones that would be called to the kingdom of God even that of the land of Zion, the hopes is within us. We praise the honor and glory to the Holy One of Israel, our Lord and Savior, is my prayer. And in this benediction upon this service, that you might uh, go forth, be blessed, your families, your loved ones, and always remember that we have a work to do. And he is willing, he is ready, and he will come soon. May the power and glory of our Lord and Savior be upon you. And I ask it in his blessed and holy name, even Jesus. Amen.